So as Wendy said, we're going to be reading today from John chapter 12, starting at verse 44 and going to the end of the chapter. These are the very last words that John records that Jesus spoke in public, um, at least before his arrest. After, during the trial and things like that, there are some other things. But this is the last of Jesus' teaching in the public arena. Uh, the rest of what we're going to be seeing, starting with chapter 13 and going through to uh, chapter 18, is going to be Jesus' uh, special time with the disciples in the, in, the, in the upper room during the Passover and then in the garden uh, as they are gathered together there. <clears throat> Um, but last words are significant. You, you think of, of some, uh, some people that, uh, uh, that have made some incredible statements off of their deathbed. Um, and uh, all kinds of things that, that, that when people are breathing their last... Um, there's an opportunity for them. They want to communicate the most important things in their heart. Um, things that they want to pass on to those that are following behind them. Um, one of the, the Rockefellers, I don't know which one. I know there's a whole bunch of them. Uh, but one of the rich ones, I think one of the first ones that was had, had a whole bunch of stuff and he was asked on his deathbed um, about all of the things that he had amassed, all of the wealth that he had amassed in his life. And, and somebody asked him, how much is enough? And his statement was, just a little more. Um, shows the heart of the man, of, of the, the principles, the way that he lived his life. Um, Jesus' last words here are significant uh, because He is summarizing all of, all of the, the things that He has been saying up to this point. And, and it's kind of interesting, and you'll see as we read through this, that um, it, it kind of matches the first bits of discourse that Jesus had. Maybe not in a public realm, but when He was meeting with Nicodemus you'll see a number of different connections that Jesus had in that midnight conversation that he had there with, with Nicodemus. We also see here in this last statement some of the uh, themes that John has been carrying through all the way through his gospel right from the very beginning, that the image of light and darkness. How Jesus is light come into a dark world, but the dark world knew Him not, refused to acknowledge Him uh, because they were, they were satisfied in their dark ways. Some of those things come through here as well. It's important for us to, to kind of get a bit of a, a picture of the con uh, context. You remember if you were here last week that Graham was preaching on uh, the passages starting in verse 36 uh, to, uh, to 43. And, um, and the whole the whole idea that was being proclaimed in these particular passages 
was identifying those people who did not believe, that were trapped in their unbelief. Jesus is contrasting that with telling people what we should believe, what we can believe. Um, So instead of just reading from verse 44, I think it's going to be good for us just to take a bit of a run at this. Go back to 36 and, and see that contrast between those two different sections. So let's Uh, Start reading at verse uh, 36 where Jesus says, While you have the light, believe in the light that you might become sons of light. When Jesus had said these things, He departed and then hid Himself from them. Though He had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in Him. So that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what we heard, what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their heart. Lest they see with their eyes and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. So Jesus cried out, Whoever believes in Me believes not in Me, but in Him who sent Me. And whoever sees Me sees Him who sent Me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in Me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me does not receive my and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken out of my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that His commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. kind of a stinging indictment there in that last bit of verse 42 and 43. That there were authorities, there were people in positions of authority within the Jewish community that did believe the things that Jesus was saying. That had put their trust in Him. And yet, 
They remained silent. Why? Because they loved the glory of man more than the glory of God. And as I read those words, I had to think, how many times have I been silent? Because I'd rather be appreciated and respected by the people around me rather than a concern about God respecting and appreciating the things that I had to say. Instead of speaking those things that He put on my heart, the truth that I know that is right and good about Him, I'd rather be quiet rather than face the condemnation, the judgment, the mocking, the laughter that comes from those around me. I don't know if that is why Jesus then in His response cries out, or some translation said, shouts out. I don't know if, if perhaps He was shouting out these words, that He was trying to get people's attention, that He was trying to model that we should have no fear when we speak the words that God has proclaimed, that God has commanded us to speak? Or maybe He just cried out in frustration, Ah! And then said these words, You of little faith! But Jesus has a very clear message here for us in these last words. And it's important for us to, to wrestle with this truth. This is nothing new. We have been reading this over and over and over again throughout John. One of the, the key ideas that John has for portraying Jesus in his Gospel is to make it clear that Jesus is God. That the Father and the Son are one and the same. That to, to see Jesus is to see the Father. And when we put our faith in Jesus, it's because we put our faith in the Father. Jesus is clear in His description of His divinity here. He, he, he says that belief in Him is belief in God. Whoever believes in Me does not believe in Me, but believes in Him who sent Me. These are a speaking to Jewish people who, who would absolutely affirm that they have a faith in God, that they wanted to do everything that God the Father was saying. And Jesus was saying these words to indict them, to say, if you say that you believe the Father, then you should believe Me because I am saying the same things that the Father has said right from the very beginning. Jesus is aligning how belief in Him is belief in the Father. Seeing Him is the very same as seeing the Father. That passage 
that, that, we, that, that I go to so often in Colossians chapter 1, which is just a wonderful declaration of the character of Jesus Christ. It opens up with, He is the image of the invisible God. One of the translations makes it... Uh, takes it a little bit further and says He is the visible image of the invisible God. That if you want to know what God is like, all you have to do is look at Jesus. That was part of His whole ministry in coming to earth. If His, if his job here on earth was just to save mankind, He could have done that in one afternoon in three days. If all He had to do was come and be crucified and pay the penalty for our sin and then raise again, He could have done that in one weekend. And yet He had a whole year, 33 years of ministry, three years where He was day after day in the public square proclaiming the goodness of God, showing the works and the power of God through the miracles that He could do. Uh, standing against those who supposedly should be representing God and yet were doing a terrible job. Instead, they were just representing themselves. Jesus spent that whole time revealing the Father to us. If you have seen Me, you have seen the Father. Those are the words that we're going to hear in just a couple of chapters when He talks to His disciples. And Philip says, Show us the Father and it's enough. Jesus says, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Jesus also again identifies Himself as the one who has come in light. I have come into the world as light. And whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Throughout the Old Testament, uh, there is a clear portrayal of the Father of God as light. We, we see it all over the place. If you want to just even start from the very beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was... No, 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 that's John, sorry. In beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And on the very first day, God said, let there be light. And there was light. He is the source of light. And yet, as you read that account, as many of you will note, it wasn't until three days later that He then created the sun and the stars. So that light that existed, that, that divided the day from the night, that was God Himself bringing order and structure to our universe. Jesus is light. In Psalm chapter 27, the psalmist says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Habakkuk 3.4, as it describes God, it says, His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from His hands. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God as light. And so John, as he is weaving that theme all through his Gospel, when he is saying that Jesus is light. It's, it's an affirmation that this one is God. One and the same. 
Not only do we have God pictured as light, but also we see throughout the Old Testament that the opposite of God is darkness. Proverbs 2, verses 13 says, Those who forsake the paths of uprightness walk in the ways of darkness. So when we trust in Jesus, we are rescued from that darkness that holds us captives, captive. And, and we are ushered into the kingdom of light. Believing in Jesus is the same as believing in God. And then Jesus says something very interesting here. And it goes right back to His conversation with Nicodemus. He says, verse 47, If anyone hears My words and does not keep them, he is condemned. That's not what it says. It says, I do not judge him. What? It says, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge, but to save. That oft-neglected verse that follows that very famous neighbor verse John 3.16, the very next verse is such a powerful verse that so often gets missed and yet it is an amazing truth. 3.17, for God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world through Him might be saved. Jesus coming to earth was not an act of judgment. It was not an act of condemnation. The things that He said were not words of condemnation. They were a lifeline of salvation. They were our hope for newness of life, of, of freedom, of rescue, of true joy and love and grace and hope. If you continue to read uh, that uh, John 3 with his, with his uh, discourse with Nicodemus, verse 18, whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen as his deeds have been carried out in God. Jesus didn't come to condemn us and judge us. He came to rescue us. But then he goes on to say, the one who does reject me and does not receive my words does indeed have a judge. There is a judgment that's coming. A, 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 a division between those who believe in Jesus and those who do not. And that judgment, it says, is the word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. The, the words of Jesus... That I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
I am the good shepherd. I am the vine and you are the branches. I am the bread of life. All of those amazing statements that Jesus has been making throughout His ministry are the very words that will judge and condemn people. Because they have the truth right there. They had the one hope for rescue from the darkness of their own wicked heart. And they turned and rejected it. And it will be those words that will be played out again and again. And it will be those words that will judge people. That you had the truth. You had every opportunity to respond. And you said no. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has Himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. I think it's the New International Version that says um, what to say and how to say them. Um, Jesus' words were not just, God didn't just direct Jesus on the very words to say, but even in the way that He would say them. The way, the, the, the intonation, the communication, every aspect of what Jesus spoke was moment by moment directed and commanded by the Father. This is a little bit of an aside, but for me, that just convinces me all the more. If Jesus needed that kind of moment by moment sort of direction from the Father, how much more do I in my own sinfulness? need that kind of moment-by-moment moment direction. And that's why we are called to keep in step with the Spirit. Moment-by-moment, moment, listening for what the Spirit is saying and following Him where He is leading us. Jesus' commandment, God's commandment to Jesus is eternal life. And so Jesus has said only the things that the Father has commanded Him to. What can we take away from this passage? Oh. This is life. These words that Jesus are speaking here, even in this passage, as a summation of all that He has taught and spoken throughout all of His ministry. These are the words of life. That if you believe in Him, if you come to the light, if you put your faith in Him, you will have eternal life. It is, it is easy to hear those words, to acknowledge the truth of those words, but then to live your life completely in a different direction where you then are saying, okay, but I believe that, 
But I need to make sure my life is all straightened around and I need to clean up and I need to make sure that I do all the right things and so my life follows these rules and regulations and and I need to earn my acceptance into that light. I need to come to church on a regular basis. I need to put enough money into the plate. I need to, to do good things. I need to not swear. I need not to smoke and all the rest of that kind of stuff. We put all of these rules and regulations around us of what determines what makes a Christian and, and, and we focus on those things rather than putting our faith in Christ and listening to what He says to us and obeying as He is leading and guiding us. There is nothing by which you are saved except the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to thank God for that marvelous salvation that He has provided for us each and every moment of each and every day and live in the reality of that that it is only because what He has done and therefore I need to follow where He leads me and put my trust in what He has done on my behalf. The other thing that I think we need to take away from this is we need to be active in proclaiming these words of truth to the world that is around us. We can no longer allow the, the love of the, of the acceptance of other people around us to keep us silent on the things of truth, on the message of Jesus Christ as the only hope of salvation. Because it is based on those words of Jesus Christ that our neighbors, that our friends, that our co-workers, that our family are going to be judged in the last days. We need to make sure that they have heard those words. That we have done everything as Christ leads us to do to proclaim those words to the lost people that are around us. We dare not be silent any longer. How we do that, what that looks like, it goes back to the first point. We can trust in Jesus to lead us and guide us to show exactly the way that we proclaim those words. Uh, if we try and do it in our own strength, if we try and craft those words in our own wisdom, it's going to fall flat. But when we are listening to the commands of the Father, just as Jesus listened to the commands of the Father, and we speak the words that the Father commands us to say, you can know that that will shine the true light into people's lives. And it will be that proclamation that will draw them into a relationship, into, into a saving relationship with Jesus and Christ, coming out of the dominion of darkness and into the kingdom of His glorious 
life. Let's pray. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for being our light. Thank you for boldly and courageously shouting out those words of truth to us that have become for us eternal life. Thank You for the way that Your Spirit has worked within our lives so that we have responded with thanksgiving to embrace that offer of grace, that extension of love into our hearts and into our minds so that we have been transformed by You into a son and a daughter of light. What a a marvelous hope that we have. And would You help us to cast off those shackles that hold us back from speaking Your truth into people's lives. Would You break away that fear that is in my heart that keeps me from from speaking the words of truth into the people that I meet day to day around me. Would You pull back the the blocks to my ears that, that... that would hear Your voice and Your commands of what it is that You want me to say? Would You, would you strip away the scales that are on my eyes uh, that keep me from seeing Your glory moment by moment and day by day? Would You loose my tongue so that I can speak Your praises in every circumstance and in every situation? And through that, Lord, would You then change this area, this community, the people that I have around me? Would would we have the joy of seeing Your Gospel transform people's lives? Your Kingdom extended into this area? the dominion of, of deception and darkness that, that holds so many people in, in captivity here in this area, would we see them set free into Your truth and into Your light? And then, Lord, would we continue to have that hope, that certainty that... That when this life is over, that we will be with You for all of eternity. What a glorious day that will be.